0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Well, good morning, North Shore. How are you? I'm uh, Lead Pastor Scott Harris. Um, And I just, um, you know, and I love what Damien just did is just kind of sat in the welcome a little bit. And uh, God just really lead me in that this morning. Um, You know, whether you're online, which I know there's many of you out there uh, love you, praying for you. If you ever need anything, reach out. I know a lot of times uh, you're, you're just in the comfort of your living room, of your phone, your whatever your device. Um, but I want you to know we're here for you and we love you. Uh, those that are here, you know, same. We love you. I'm glad you're here. And you know, my prayer for all of us, whether it's at home, somewhere remote, right here, that um, God brought you here for a reason. And it's my earnest prayer. Uh, that that would be satisfied, that whatever your spiritual hunger is, why you came, uh, that Jesus would meet you there this morning. So uh, I really, from the bottom of my heart, welcome. I'm glad that you are here. Um, You know, if you need a Bible, we're going to jump in uh, to our message. Raise your hand. The ushers will get a Bible to you. Uh, Turn to John chapter 1, and we'll be there in just a, a few. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. You know, I'm excited. You know, uh, this is the fall. It's the start of the ministry season, and I want to encourage you to get involved, step deeper into your faith this year. Uh, we have a whole host of programs for all ages, um, and so I want to encourage you go to our next steps um, area out in the lobby and check that out. Um, there's a card in front of you, as Damien said. Grab that card. If you've been here for years, right? hey, I'm looking for this, and, and turn that into Next Steps, or one of our pastors. Um, just really encourage you to, to step and get involved. Uh, today represents the start of Alpha. You heard Damien mention it. If you've been here for a while, you know we've been talking about this, and uh, what Alpha is, okay? Alpha is a, a program, a church program, uh, that teaches on the basics of the Christian faith that was started in 1977. How many of you were not born in 1977? Raise your hand. <laughs> Way over here. Okay. Um, uh, but later, uh, deep in history, uh, in 1990, uh, Nikki Gumbel, a pastor of a church in London, uh, took this church program, Alpha, that they were using and, and made some little changes and, and started uh, to continue to do it, and it got attention of uh, people around them, and then ultimately, and very quickly, worldwide. Uh, because their goal was to produce a, a program to teach the basics of the Christian faith um, that any Christian denomination could use, um, and so it just spread everywhere. Um, mean, many of you probably have probably heard of it. Many of you probably have probably been through Alpha. So we've chose as a church uh, to do alpha and really excited and this really represents our kickoff to the alpha. And we chose it with this goal in mind. First of all, to the believer uh, is to refresh what you already know is to refresh what you already know. I hope you, believer, are, in, in some of these alpha conversations, say, yeah, I kind of knew that. Maybe I kind of forgot, you know. Maybe the wording, I kind of, okay, I forgot that. Uh, uh, and then equip you, because what happens, as we know in our country, is um, people uh, in churches of faith are drifting away. The I think we've crossed a line, and it's a sad line in America. But they call them the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, meaning they have no uh, spiritual belief. Um, I think is the largest category in America now. We used to be a Christian nation, the large majority, and so we're really close. Either it's happened, or they anticipate it within a year that the majority of Christians will be none. Uh, and so the language of the Christian faith, the meaning of the Christian faith is being lost. And so it starts with us believers being remembered. We can't take it for granted that we are in a Judeo-Christian nation and people just know. know, I did two weddings here recently and um, uh, both of the uh, brides, their believers, I was talking to them, said, boy, I've never been to a Christian wedding And that blew my mind. Well, you've never been to a wedding? No, no, I've been to a wedding. I've never been to a Christian wedding. Well, when I was a kid, guess what? Every wedding was a Christian wedding. Um, And so the thing about it, just understanding our culture, okay, Uh, and what we live and where our kids and our grandkids will be raised in. So it's important believers that we are refreshed and informed, right, Uh, and equipped to give a a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Alpha's for that, but it's also for the seeker. Okay, I already mentioned the category we have of of nuns and people who don't believe. um, And as people, um, you know, not even just stop believing, but they walk away from the church, right? And and people begin to be hungry for spiritual things. We want to be a place uh, that they can come and be informed. What is Christianity what's the belief system, you know? So they have a chance to process that in hopes of this, that the seeker would be inspired, inspired to walk with Jesus. Because you, as a believer, understand how important that is and how amazing that journey is. And we want them to be inspired toward that. So we create space where we can gather um, and talk about these things. And for us as a church, you know, I pray that this would be a unifying thing for us Meaning we have gone, I don't know, someday they're going to call the pandemic something, you know, like the, remember the dark ages, right? I think there's going to be dark ages part two or something, right? You know, spiritually speaking, uh, it's been painful, hard, divisive, and all those things. I'm praying for our church, that there can be a new culture of we're together, we're unified, we're excited, we are reminded what brings us together. And it could be fun, bottom line, fun being a part of church and watching what God does. And, and lastly, for a church, it's a, a time to invite. I mentioned the different categories there to invite people that God has placed in your life to come be part of conversations, of spiritual conversations. So that is Alpha, super excited. How it works here at North Shore, so you know, is and we're doing a bit of a hybrid. So if you've done Alpha, ours is a little different. Uh, it will start with a sermon right? And we just touch on the topic of the week, right? Um, each week. And then it moves into small groups. Through, all throughout the week, there's different small groups. Um, and a chance to watch a video by Nikki Gumbel and, and what they produce. And I love Alpha, but it is worldwide. It is huge. They have amazing material. And they do this. They give it free to everybody. And you start don't hear about, you know, most everything's a money-making thing nowadays. And they could make millions upon millions, and they don't. They give it away, it's amazing. Um, and so we watch a video that their church has produced, so you'll notice some English accents, okay, because I told you it came from London, kinda cool, really, too. Um, and so we watch a video, um, we, we, we spend time together in these small groups, and then we have a discussion. Um, and, and our church has also produced um, a, kind of a going deeper, so even in some of these basic conversations we'll have in our groups a chance to go deeper with that. We'll do that for 10 weeks. And at any time in that 10 weeks, you can join, you can invite somebody. So I want to encourage you. Uh, do we have our alpha little QR? Don't you love, it? church has changed, isn't it? Everything's a QR code now, right? <laughs> so it's funny. So that's, uh, you know, if you don't know, I used to not know what these things were, right? You just put your phone up there, turn the camera on and it's really smart, right? And it'll you'll see a web page that pops up by this. You just push it and it takes you to that site. That's what that does if you don't know, okay? So you put your phone up there or your device with your camera on and get signed up and we'll get you plugged in. Super excited about Alpha. Now, where does it begin? Where do we begin? And it begins with a question. Is there more to this life? Is there more to this life? Now that is a question we all must ask ourselves. And I believe this, I think we all are asking ourselves. Is there more to this life than this? And the reason that question just boils up inside of us and all people, believers or non-believers, is this. Because your soul hungers for that answer. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, God has put eternity in man's heart. What that means is your heart, your soul yearns for meaning and purpose. And what your soul does is it it grumbles and rumbles and it aches until that answer is found by you. The soul hungers. For the answer, is there more to this life than this? What we see, you know, your clock, time, time demands that you find this answer. Is there more to this life? James chapter four verses eleven, and this is a little depressing. Sorry, but it's true. You'll know it that your time, your lifespan, is just a mist, and then it vanishes. Uh, meaning this. You have one ride around the ride, right? And you are like me. You in this do not want to leave any leftovers. You want to get all that it offers. Everything that this life offers, you want to get everybody does. And that's why the question, is there more? Time demands it. The clock is ticking. And you can tell I am starting to get older, and I don't know what happens about time, but boy, does it pick up pace when you get older, doesn't it? It's crazy. I remember when uh, summer break felt like an eternity. Remember those days, like, man, when's school going to start? It must have been three weeks. And to me, it's like about January 3rd, you know, and it feels like the next day it's Christmas already. Like, what happened, right? I don't know what it is, but time demands to find the answer because you or I do not want to leave anything on the table. We want to get everything that God has for us and created for us. The heart also longs for an answer to this question. Is there more to this life? Because of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's the love chapter. But as you go through that, verse 13 says something, Talk about eternity. So these things are eternal, faith, hope, and love, Right? But it says this, the greatest of these is love. God had created us in our hearts to be love and to love fully and completely. And the heart hungers and longs for that. And that's why I said, sir, more, is this it? And we have to find an answer. And I love this, Blaise Pascal, um, you know, was a great mathematician, also a great theologian and a person of faith. Here's how he sums this up. He says, what else does this craving or this hunger and this helplessness proclaim? But there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are. Though none can help, since this infinite abyss, talking about our heart and souls can be filled only with an infinite and immutable or unchangeable object, in other words, by God himself. <laughs> Is there more to this life? Is there more to this life? It's a, a question we all ask. You're asking it, I'm asking it everybody's asking it, and I think as believers, it is something that we have to step in and answer the question, you know, and luckily, in Alpha, that's where we start with that, is there more to this life, and there's an answer, right, there's an answer to that question, and the answer is this, Jesus, is there more to this life, the answer is yes, the answer is Jesus, Because Jesus, we see in Scripture, is the absolute pivot point of everything. Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. uh, As you look at that, it describes uh, who Jesus is. And and it says, he has created all things. All things are in him. All things are for him. He holds everything together. We see he is a pivot point of everything. Everything. Jesus is also this. He's the plot line of God's story. And the the plot line is this. A plot line is is what the, the, the message is that carries through a story. And everything about in that story goes back to this plot line. When God's story, Jesus is the plot line. We will see he is in creation. And then when sin enters the world, Who do we see pop up? This promise of Jesus. And then we see all through the Old Testament is a nation and God preparing a people, all people, for Jesus to come. And he came and he redeemed the world by going to the cross. And then he was resurrected from the dead, defeating death. And then we move into something that we call the the, the church age. And, and, And there it's a focus on Jesus and his salvation and coming back to that through the power and person of the Holy Spirit. It's a time that we spiritually grow, going to the ultimate, to eternity, to heaven, to this place where God is and Jesus is fully glorified. And if you know anything about heaven, we will be with Jesus there. Jesus is the pivot point. Jesus is the plot line of God's story. So if we're asking ourselves, is there more to this life? If you know Jesus you know the more to your story. He is the more. He is the more. So today as we you know, kind of kick off Alpha answering this larger question, what we do is this, it starts to answer that question, who is Jesus? And I tell you, as I was preparing this message, I don't know if I've been this nervous since the first few times I got up here. I was terrified this week. I'm terrified right now. You know why? Because I'm about to try to introduce you to the most important person in human history. Wow, how do you do that? How can I answer the question, who is Jesus? Um, you know, and so, Lord, here's my attempt. Speak through me. Uh, but also, it's this. It's real personal. I feel like a young kid, you know, when you found the one, and you had to bring the one to introduce them to your parents, you know that, and you love them so much, and what do you want? With everything you are, you want them to see what you see in them, right? please like him. Please like her. Please, please, please. I want to spend the rest of my life with them. And there's, you, you see your dad at the table. Oh no, he hates everybody, right? Um, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, dad, I'm a dad. Yeah, we hate all boyfriends for a while, um, right? <laughs> but here's the, amen, right? I got it. <laughs> but I'm going to try to answer a question. Who is Jesus? Introduce you To somebody who I love with everything I am, all my being, who's transformed and changed my life. Man, I just feel already I am inadequate to do that because I want you to love him too, like I love him. So I've been like a scared little girl for a week here, okay? And so I'm praying the Holy Spirit will speak through me. And I love the fact that I've got some backup, meaning uh, in our Alpha, we're going to talk about who is Jesus for this whole week and discuss it. So it's a whole journey. So, um, so uh, where I want to go today, just taking a little uh, a peek at this, I want to take you to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And we're going to read it together. And, and why John? Because what John, the Apostle John who is writing this book, what John's going to do is he's going to come in and he is going to answer this question, who is Jesus? He's going to introduce Jesus uh, in a real quick way, but, dynamically and powerfully. He's going to spin the world on its head with these quick answers of who is Jesus. And so we're going to look at that together. So uh, let's read this together. Uh, Let me start with prayer. I just always want the Lord to be with us. Do you mind if I pray before we enter into the word? Father, you're good. I pray your word would speak Uh, to us and through us clearly. I pray people would come to know Jesus, that they would see Jesus today through this. So I pray that uh, you'd open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say. Change us forever because we've encountered you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, John chapter 1, and I'm going to go verses 1 through 5, and then I'm going to read verse 14 because it really ties it in. Verse 1. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So it's very, very powerful here. So John's going to answer this question, who is Jesus? Uh, and we're going to see it very dynamically. And the first thing you're going to see is that Jesus is the Word. And it's important because what John is doing here powerfully, and I told you he's going to turn the world upside down, is we, you can't look at that word, Word, the same. John is changing. It wants us to look different. It's, in fact, and I've studied like crazy. I talked to, you know, some of my friends and theologians to tell me about this. It is one of the most complex words in all of the New Testament. Okay, and so, but what he's doing here is he's taking the word "word," right, which is you know an utterance and an expression, pretty simple meaning. But he's taken, and it's why he translates, but the word, right? He's taken to say that this. Is not just that an utterance under expression, it's that, but it is the fullness, the complete, the absolute message of God. That's the word it's talking about. So when you see the word in my notes and we're talking about this, it is the absolute, complete, full message of God. That's the word. And Jesus is the word. And then John goes on to talk about the dynamics of what that means for us. In the first aspect, we see this in verse one In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see that the Word, the message of your God, Jesus, is the foundational Word. It's the foundational Word. Uh, what John did is taken two aspects here uh, of belief system. Because a little history of the book of John, written by the apostle John, who is now in Ephesus, right, uh, with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Remember on the cross, Jesus talked to John, take care of her? Well, he did. There's actually uh, grave sites of John and Mary in Ephesus. And Ephesus, stay with me, though it's in modern-day Turkey, was a Greek colony, community. And so in John's Time of writing, Greek philosophy was paramount. Okay, so you're going to see him speak into that, but also uh, there was heavy Jewish influence, and he's going to speak into that. He's going to take these two thoughts and bring them together. Okay, for the Jews, everything for them started with Genesis 1:1. In the beginning, That is the start of everything. In the beginning, God. Genesis 1.1. Well, John starts his book the same way. In the beginning, what he's saying, Jew, believer of God, we're starting with the foundation of what you think and believe of all things. Okay? And then he says, was the word. Now, the word is logos, a Greek word. And it comes from Greek philosophy. and, And the word logos, again, dynamic word, but, but it means the, the reason, that which holds everything together. The why of all reality. The word. So you hopefully start to pick up what John's doing here. He's taking these two thoughts and he says, I'm going to bring it together. What is the foundation of God? What is the, the truth of that? What is the reasoning for all things, right? Jesus. He is the foundational word. The foundational message of God is Jesus. He's the why. He's the why of all things. Here at North Shore, if you come here, I hope you hear over and over and over again that our focus is on Jesus. Our eyes are on Jesus and Jesus only. Why? It's because of this teaching. Because Jesus is the Word. He's the Logos. He's the beginning. He is all things. He is the why. And I want to invite you to live your life in that manner that Jesus is your foundational Word. He's your filter of all things, He's your start point of everything. He's our why. John continues in verse 2. He says, This is He was in creation with God. And this is huge, right? Look at that first word in verse 2. He. He does something crazy here. He personifies the word. It's a person. Verse 14, right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about Jesus, you know, the incarnation, Jesus here. <laughs> so Jesus is God. He's a personification. He's the, the, the picture of who God is. He is how we know who God is. It's powerful. And in that, I love it, we are told throughout Scripture, First John 2.6 says this, is, we are called to be like Jesus. He's a reflection of God. Jesus came in and says in, in Hebrews 1.3 that he is the exact representation of God's character. Jesus is the living word. He is the word that we get to see that in history they got to touch. We get to read about in the Bible and outside the Bible. People said, hey, there's this guy, Jesus from Nazareth is turning the world on its tear. He's real, he's historical, he's a person. So we get to read historical documents about this living word and we are called to be like him. He says his exact representation, he says this, that he only does what the father tells him to do. So you wanna see how God would act? Look at Jesus. He says that he only says what the Father tells him to say. Do you want to know what God would say? Listen to what Jesus says. I love what Pastor Pat did last week. He took us through a whole bunch of scripture, so I'm not going to do that. Watch last week's message, but we are called to be Christ-likeness. He is our example. So this powerful living word, the why, becomes also our how. How do we do this life? We do it by the living word. They say this, a picture is worth a thousand words. What do they mean by that? It means when you see a picture of something that someone tells you about, you see it more clearly, you understand it better, correct? What is a life worth? He's a living picture, Jesus is. You want to know God, know Jesus. Jesus. Want to know how to do life? Look at Jesus. I don't know what the number is, but it's absolute clarity of how and what we're supposed to do. So we've got the foundational word, the message of God. We've got the living message, absolute, full message of God in Jesus, and it is our how. How we do life. And there's a third thing you see in verse chapter 3 there. Uh, there it says that he created everything and By everything was made through him. And what you see is this is, you know, Jesus, the Word, Jesus, God, this living picture, um, is also the authoritative Word. The authoritative Word there. That's actually a hard word to spell, just so you know. I was like, I keep misspelling it. Hopefully, I got it right. Yes. Thank you, Lisa Jacobs, for making sure I spelled it right. I misspelled that thing wrong all week. Okay. The authoritative Word of God, right? Because what he did is he created. And when you create something, you have an intimate knowledge of what you've created, correct? How many of you have ever done any remodeling in your house? Raise your hand if you've done a little remodeling. <laughs> when you walk in there to your house, you see that, Ooh, didn't quite get those seams. Mad. That's a little out of level. Everyone else, oh, this is beautiful. This is amazing. Wow, right? You're like, oh, no, no, because you have an intimate knowledge of what you did, right? And it drives you crazy, doesn't it? Because that's all you see. <laughs> uh, so pay someone else to do it, is the answer to that. No. <laughs> now, here's the deal when you create something, it gives you an intimate knowledge, an intimate power of understanding, which in turn gives you an authority. And here's the thing what Jesus' authority does. Because if you read scriptures, and most of you know this, there are powerful promises he makes. He says he's going to forgive you. Well, what authority do you have to do that? He's God. He created us. He can do that. He says, I'm going to heal you. Well, that's hokey. Well, not for creator God, it's not. He created us. He knows us. He is powerful. When he says you're healed, guess what? You're healed. And when he says this, you're saved. Only he has the authoritative power to make that statement and have it be 100% true. Uh, Jesus is the authoritative word. It is where we get our confidence in our walk with God. I can't, but he can. You hear that a lot. He can. He says he promises, but I can't see through the darkness that fulfilled, but by faith, I know he can because he is creator. He knows me. He's all powerful. He said he would. I trust him. I have confidence in him. Not me, not the situation, but in Jesus. So you see what uh, John is doing here. Man, he has got this just concise but powerful introduction to Here's who Jesus is. You want to know who Jesus is? Here he is. He's the foundational word. The foundational, absolute, complete message of God. He's the living word. You can see and know God through him. And he is the authority of word. You can trust what he says. Have confidence in it. Uh, he is powerful. And here I want to, as we go to the second piece of this, here's what he takes. All that power, right? And he comes and brings us life. Look at verse 4. In him is life. He took everything I just mentioned. I'm hoping a little bit you're like, whoa, yeah. Thanks for the reminder. He's big. Not just a religious thing, something we show up to do once in a while. Uh, a nice dude. But he's the word. And this word came to bring us life. It's Jesus' purpose. Look at First John 4, uh, 19. Um, and it says this, because of his great love for us, God sent his son Jesus to give us life. Jesus' purpose is to bring us life. You know, you look at it, if he's the plot, bringing life is a subplot. Every scripture you turn, right, is about the life he's bringing and who he is. Bringing honor and glory to God through bringing us life. It's incredible. All that power zeroed in, laser focused on you to bring you life. Is that incredible? You know, scripture says that we are the apple of his eye, we are the object of his love. mind-blowing. And when he pours that much power on, what happens? Lives change and transform. Man, I was remembering when I, uh, before a believer, you know, one nice thing about accepting Christ later in life, I have a very clear remembering of Scott's life without Jesus and Scott's life with Jesus. Man, it's night and day. It's incredible. I mean, of the transformation change. I mean, everything. I remember calling Sandy the night I was saved, and the phrase I use is, um, you know, she's trying to figure out what all this is about, and I couldn't really describe it. I can only describe it this way. I said, I don't know, but I know this, everything changed. I just knew there's a seismic shift deeper in my heart and soul than anything I've ever experienced. I've changed, you know. Now I've got... A lot, de- decades, I can kind of talk about that change with you now, but uh, but at that day, I just knew everything changed. One of the most incredible contrasts that Sandy and I have seen was a friend of mine named Gary Murphy. Uh, he was in the first church I worked in. He he helped in the uh, youth program that I was youth pastor at. Um, you know, Over time, getting to know Gary, Gary was an ex-Hell's Angel down in Southern California, moved up to Eastern Washington, uh, Well, so he can run guns um, and went to prison four times and all this got saved in prison. Okay, quick storyline of Gary, but now he's saved and uh, he's there. Unfortunately, Gary um, uh, died uh, uh, from cancer. Um, But I remember uh, going at his funeral, we're sitting there and I knew Gary, an amazing man, huge man, but loved. People like I've never seen anyone loved anyone. And every once in a while a little story would come out. But it was at his funeral that we really saw it because uh, what the courts did is um they, you know, they couldn't be around each other, all the gang members or club members. Or, um, but for the funeral they said, yeah, you can come go to this funeral of this president of your club. So all off they came to our church. And so they had all these pictures of Gary before he was a Christian and after. And the thing that I remember looking at these pictures of him in, in this motorcycle club, um his eyes are dark, dark. And I remember. I remember. I think I remember talking. to said. I remember sitting there looking at his pictures. Said, "Look at his eyes, because the Gary I knew didn't have dark eyes. Had blue eyes. And there's just light in him. And there's love and joy, meaning and purpose. Because the guy that I, mean, I could ever imagine being any sort of, you know, club and some of the things that he did and uh, all this is like unbelievable." And so it's been one of those things. In fact, I've got a picture of him I keep in a space that I just remember the power of the life that Jesus brings. So I never forget. I never have this be routine, right? Uh, Jesus came to bring us life. So how does he do that? How does he do it? John 14, 6. Many of us know that verse. It's Jesus talking. His apostles are confused. He says he's going to be going away to heaven and all this stuff. They're freaked out. So he just gives this description. Hey, here's how this is going to work. This is how I'm going to give you life and bring life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' words, John 14, 6. And so you see that he gave kind of a, a little map, if you would, of how to get to this life. And it starts with this. He says, I am the way. And the way is direction, right? I am the way to this life, I promise you. And how scripture talks about direction, how it gives directions, oftentimes is the idea with light, right? And you see in verse four that I am the light of men in John chapter one, right? So it uses light. And so we see that Jesus is the lit path to the life he has for us. he is a lit path, you know, and, and what he's talking about specifically in John chapter one is this idea that I'm the inviting light, right? I am the inviting light. In the darkness of this life, there's gonna be a light in men, that's me, the life I give. And to give you a picture, it's like right here, if all the lights went off right now, boom, just so you know, it'd be really, really dark, even though it's light outside. You know how you would know how to leave this darkness and go to the light? Do those exit signs right there, right? That's why they're there. Go toward those lights. It's gonna invite you out of the darkness. That's what Jesus is talking about. uh, That he is like an exit light out of the darkness of this world, right? And he's an inviting light to us. He's also a revealing light, right? it's like a spotlight is when we come to know Jesus, we look at Jesus, it's, it turns a spotlight on this world and our lives, and we see things more clearly. Sometimes I'm like, oh, yuck, I don't like to see that, but that's actually a good thing sometimes. Like, that needs to change. Yeah, it needs to change, and there's somebody that's inviting you to a different place, All Right? I know for me, when I got saved, I was driving up from the place I was saved uh, back home to where Sandy and our oldest daughter was at the time, and um I just remember, and you guys have heard stuff, but it's true. I, I could see more clear. Every, the colors were brighter. You know what I'm talking about? The birds sang a little more beautiful. You know, I, I found myself becoming more optimistic. The, the worries I've had weren't so overwhelming. Something just changed. You know, the spotlight, I saw the world differently, more clearly with great hope and not so much fear and survival mode. And that's what Jesus, he is the revealing light for us. What does life look like? And and he's also the guiding light, right? He's the guiding light. And scripture talks a lot like he's a a light for our path and things, like a flashlight, right? How are we going to get through in this darkness? How are we going to walk this? How are we going to get to this life? Well, Jesus becomes this flashlight. Let me show you. Let me show you. And guides us so we can walk safely for us. Jesus is a life. And when we walk in the way, in his truth, right? He says his truth. We walk in this way. uh, And that truth is simple. That's the the confidence of him, right? That's the trusted path, right? Because I am the truth. You can trust me in this path to life. You can trust my teaching. You can trust my commands, right? You can trust my protection. I love what verse 5 says in John 1. The dark will not overcome it. He's got us. He'll protect you. He's there now and into eternity. He is trusted. He's our confidence. It's a trusted path for us. But then it takes us to this place. And when we walk in His way, we trust Him, His teaching, His guidance, and stuff. And it leads to this thing, to this life. And I, and I word it this way the abundant path. John 10.10 says this, and it's Jesus talking. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So when he came, and if we follow his way and trust, we're gonna understand his promise of life and we'll experience it. And it's not just any life. It's not just crossing a line. Woo, just got a little life there. Wow, no, it's an abundant life. It's a full life. It's a life that starts right at the point that you receive Jesus Christ. He says he gives you a new heart. Brand new heart. He can do it. He says it. He gives you a new life. Makes you a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5:17 says. The old is gone, the new is come. You get that because of Jesus. He can do that this abundant life and it goes on into eternity. Right? It's now and forever. It actually says when we were with Jesus that our life isn't about this earth. It's about heaven and with him. And I tell you, when you have that perspective, it changes everything. The woes down here, you know, know, the great hurts here, um, you know, basically shrink as you look at eternity in Jesus. So it's powerful. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so as next steps, as we land this, as we look at who is Jesus, I wanna encourage you first and foremost, get plugged into Alpha. Have some fun. There is this, I mean, Jesus, uh, talk about him every day, all day long, and we'd still not be done, right? And so here's just a little taste of who Jesus is. He's the word, he is the life. And we're gonna talk a lot more in the, the upcoming week. So get plugged into Alpha, be part of that. But today I want you to ask yourself this question. Is there more to this life? What's your answer? And I'm talking to believers and seekers. Because as believers, sometimes we start resting in. And that life, what I just described, is so distant from us. We're just kind of putting one foot in front of the other. And that's life. And hopefully, what you heard today, that is not the life that he came for. It's not why he died. It's not why he went to the grave and was resurrected. He wanted to give us resurrection power to be different believers. So I want you to ask yourself the questions, not just for the, the seeker. Is there more to this life? The answer is yes, it's Jesus. Are you trusting him? For the seeker, It starts with him. There is an answer. There is more to this life, and it is Jesus. And how do we receive that? I love this. I love this. You have to walk down a road of paradoxes to get there. Meaning this, if you want your life, Scripture says you have to lose it. Because his life is so deeper, bigger than you can even understand. So to get there, you got to say, i got to lose my life and go and, and trust you. If you want to have victory in this life, you've got to surrender. It's a paradox. And that paradox path, we walk it by faith. So I'm going to trust you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. I want the life that you promised, not what the life that this earth promises. And you've got to receive him by faith. Ask for forgiveness of your sins so we can be in a relationship with him, a right relationship with him, and walk with him. Like I said at the beginning, I'm so glad all of you are here. God brought you here for a reason. And I pray that the Holy Spirit uh, satisfied the yearning of your soul today. If you want to talk about any aspect of this, talk to one of the pastors. We will have a prayer team up here. I'll be in the back of the room. Uh, I love you. Will you stand? And uh, we're going to sing today. And I want to read just some of the stuff that we're going to sing today. But a song that God put on my heart that really just sums up our call, and it's a, I called it a hymn and someone corrected me, okay? So I'm going to call it an old song. It's called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I love it. It says, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Let's praise him together. I love you, North Shore.